Adam 12. Adam 12. Cop Talk America's on the air. Copy. Put me 10-6. I'm tuning into Cop Talk America. Welcome to Cop Talk America, where police discuss the job, answer questions, and respond to law enforcement hot topics around our great nation. With over 100 years combined law enforcement experience, here's your hosts, Jeff, Chad, Dave, Brett, Jerry, and special guest law enforcement commentator, Mark Nelson. Welcome to Cop Talk America and our very first weekend podcast. The first issue we're going to cover this week is the Parkland shooting. Jeff, you can take it from here. The reason we're going to discuss the uh, Parkland school shooting at the uh, Stoneman Douglas High School is because it covers a variety of areas that uh, the common person and the public doesn't understand why the police do what they do, why situations evolve the way they evolve, and what really was some of the issues that will never be covered by the news people because it doesn't sell papers, it's not political, it's not really the issue. By those things, I mean leadership. Leadership was the uh, problem that probably hurt the officers, the deputies there the most. They're a very progressive department, and by progressive in this case, I mean they're a more liberal department. They have a lot of ideas and reference uh, children being involved in different kinds of crimes. Uh, instead of incarcerating them or putting them through the penal system, they'll take them instead and put them into programs and projects and try to do other things to rehabilitate them. And that program slowly spun out of control until they started doing people who were doing violent crimes, and it became a numbers game where they were watching to see we don't want to have too many of this group or that group arrested. So if you get this guy and we already have our number for the month, put him in the program. Uh, one of the things about leadership that commonly doesn't get understood is that if you're the sheriff or a chief of police, that you can uh, extend your authority to others, which is why we have a command system with sergeants, lieutenants, and the officers out on the street. You still all are working under the authority of the chief. And the one thing he can never get rid of is the responsibility. As we talk, you'll see here where the sheriff doesn't understand that principle at all. And then you have to have policies. Well, why policies? Policies are the principles that you're going to have your department working under so that people understand this is why we do what we do in this situation. How do you get that done? Training. So you have to train the people to follow the policies, and then the leader has to make sure all this stuff is done. It all goes back to the boss. So February 14th. 2018, at about 2.20 in the afternoon, they have their multi-layer security working in the school. And by multi-layer, they have a number of campus security monitors. These are teachers that are unarmed, and they have radios. They go around the school, and they check things. One of them sees a young man that he recognizes, and within their group, they call him Crazy Boy. That's his name. And they also said that he is, quote, most likely to shoot up the school. So this monitor sees Crazy Boy coming onto the grounds carrying a bag, which he feels has a rifle in it. 
So he takes what he considers the appropriate action, and he tells another monitor about it on the radio, and then he drives away on his gator because he's supposed to go open a gate. So the second monitor gets told that Crazy Boy is going into building number 12. So he looks and looks down the hallway, sees this kid coming into the opposite end of the building with a bag. So he immediately steps back into his stairway and runs upstairs towards the second floor. In the meantime, Crazy Boy gets his rifle out, charges the weapon. A student walks in, sees him, and he turns around and tells him, you need to get out of here, things are about to get messy. So he starts on the first floor and goes through, and he shoots a number of students right away, like three in the hallway right off the beginning. So <clears throat> he then takes it upon himself to pull the fire alarm. Now remember, there's already been two security monitors who have seen this guy. If they had put out the alarm that we have a possible armed person in the school, what they call a code red, the school gets locked down immediately, and then you would ignore what happens next. Crazy boy pulls the fire alarm. What do the students and teachers do? Come out of the rooms and into the hallway, right into his field of fire. So now he's shooting multiple people very easily, and they're trying to all scramble back into the rooms and lock themselves in. He ends up going to the second floor. The teachers up there do a very good job because they could hear the shooting. All of us who have been inside structures, when you hear gunfire, you know. Sometimes you don't know what it is. You don't know where it came from, if it even was a gun going off. And you'll see as I tell this story, unfortunately, the people on the third floor, they don't hear the gunshots. So they're all in the hallway trying to work their way down to get out of the fire because the fire alarm's going off. The second monitor who ran up to the second floor, he hides in a closet. Okay? Third monitor comes over, and the kid that saw Crazy Boy getting the rifle out runs over, and he tells this security monitor, Crazy Boy's in that building. He runs to the building, opens the door, gets shot in the face. Okay? An unarmed security person is virtually useless against anyone who's armed. It's a concept I don't even understand. But it makes people feel better, I guess. Crazy Boy gets to the third floor. The, the room or the hallway's full. He shoots a number of people. The school had taken steps to lock all the bathrooms down because they were going in the bathrooms and vaping. So now there's no place for them to get into and hide. They're trying to get back into the classrooms. One teacher ends up taking kid, 10 students, runs down to the end of the hall. As they're running to the end of the hall, two of them get gunned down. He holds the door shut. And Crazy Boy doesn't shoot through the door or try to do anything. He basically stops his advance, goes into the teacher's lounge, and starts shooting rounds. Okay? All of that took place in less than three minutes. While that was going on, within the very first half a minute, the armed police officer who's on the scene, that's his job. He's the school resource officer. He goes to the building. He is escorted by one of the security monitors, and they meet the first security monitor who tells him, this is who it is, this is where they're at, the whole nine yards. This officer takes cover next to the building and stays there for over 40 minutes, does not go inside. As a matter of fact, throughout this thing, he's on the radio several times telling them he's hearing shots, I think I hear shots, and then he gets so far as to tell them, do not go in. 
there's a guy in there with a gun. Stay back. Use your cars for cover. Protect yourselves. So now in the front of the school, you have the deputies showing up. When they show up, each of them is getting out of their car, and they open up their trunk, and they're getting their body armor and stuff on, and they hide behind their cars. They don't advance. When they're asked later on in the investigation, did you hear gunshots? They would say, no, it's on their body camera, and some of them radioed that they had heard gunshots. When was the last time you did training on this? Well, I don't recall. It's been a long time. Most of them, it was less than two years. The problem, of course, with that is if you don't train and repetitively train, people will not react. They will do what comes natural. People don't naturally run into a gunfight. You know, police officers should not be normal people. To make matters worse, when the sergeant shows up, he's there for 10 minutes, never talks on his radio. When the captain shows up, she goes into the administration building. She's in there for the first seven minutes. When she comes out and tries to get on the radio, her officers say she was in a dreamlike state and never did set up a command post. One of the officers within the first minute asked for a command post to be set up and for them to start trying to do things right. Finally, Coral Springs or yes, Coral Springs officers show up, and I believe that was five minutes after the shooting started, and they immediately go in the building. Unbeknownst to them, he's already left. Crazy Boy's already out of the building. Why the in administrative building, they're watching the videotape of this thing go on. To add to the confusion, the videotape is 20 minutes paused. So they think they're watching this kid in the building. He's already out of there. And there's a guy in there, and he keeps trying to tell them. That tape's 20 minutes you know, past. He's gone. You, know, you need to get doing things. So, again, going back to this, this is one of those issues where you look at it and you go, my God, after Columbine, everybody in this room has been trained we go to the sound of gunfire. We go in, you find the bad guy, you eliminate the problem. Either he gives up or we put him on the ground, one or the other. You know, you do it smart, you do it tactically, and you got to use your head. But in this case, they had nine officers surrounding that building. That department didn't go in. Then the chief of police, in his news conference the same day, tells them that he has shown ex exemplary leadership He's an exceptional leader, and he's shown amazing leadership. When he's testifying in this year, 2019, February, he says at uh, this point, based on what I know, I have no reason to believe that any member of my agency knew there was an active shooter. I think that really nails it on the head of why that police department is the way it is. Police departments are representative of what their brass wants them to do. And if you set the example of, by all means, don't do anything that's going to disturb things. Because, and again, everyone in this room understands, you had one minute to make that decision. One minute or less, we're going in. Instead, he kills 17 students and teachers and is gone in less than five minutes. His last two minutes, he was upstairs in the teacher's lounge shooting rounds into the hurricane glass. They didn't even leave the building. No officer was under fire. Do you know what kind of training they actually went through when they had it a couple of years ago? Because I know it's changed. It's still no excuse for not going inside a building, but we all know it's changed from year to year from Columbine. We used to do the diamond, and then I know all the current training that everybody goes through now is 
single officer entry. You hear gunfire, you don't sit there and wait for your dime and you don't wait for your team, you get in there. But it sounds like that could be, a, a, like you were talking about, a history of the department. If it's a completely hands-off police department, which it probably is, or your hands off on on all sorts of calls that you're on, coming down to domestic violence or whatever. I mean, it takes the aggressiveness right out of your police department. I still can't fathom any excuse whatsoever of sitting outside when gunfire is going on inside a building and people are dying. Well, and we're all police officers. The the fact of sitting there and watching officers from another department show up and enter in front of you and go in, four of them go in. And then another guy shows up. And then finally one of your own officers shows up a minute and 45 minute seconds after the other guy's gone in, and he goes in by himself. But he just got to the scene and goes in. You know, So at least you had one of their guys who's sitting there saying what the is going on and doing this. And this is the same police department that had the uh, Fort Lauderdale individual who got his bags, went into the men's room, pulled the gun out, started going through the lobby and shooting people. And they handled that one terribly. They didn't set up a command post there. They didn't do any of the things that you need to get done so you can do police work. And when they had a internal investigation done, which was, from what I understand, a very good investigation, and it really told the department, here's where we're weak, here's what we have to do to do better and get these things done, this same sheriff would not allow that report to be released until it was changed. And two-thirds of the things that he had didn't like in there were taken out. And the things that were still against the department, if you will, he would they would have to say it in a way like, but we're getting better. We understand our mistakes. I had one question. I know it was a come up when this happened. I just want to confirm that uh, they were confused on whether this guy was inside, outside during the shooting. Supposedly the school resource officer, was a bunch of crap, or was there any legitimacy to that? The school resource officer knew he was in there because when the uh, Coral Springs officers went in, he told them they're on the, he's on the second or third floor. Now, he didn't know that the guy was already out of the building by then. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the officers that showed up was about 100 feet or so back, 100 yards or so back, I'm sorry. And when he heard the shots because of the echo, he thought it's more over this way. But the other guy's telling them, no, it's in Building 12. And when they surround the building, they literally are all at Building 12. No one goes anywhere else on the campus. They're all at Building 12. They just don't go in. So they stand there for 45 minutes, and he listens to gunfire. And what he thinks he's shooting freaking tin cans? Well, And you're going to stand there and listen. It's completely unexcusable uh, in any way, shape, or form, the way this was handled. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Well, the deputy's name was Peterson, and the sheriff immediately... (laughs) you know, to show that he's this great guy, puts Mr. Peter, or Deputy Peterson, on a unpaid suspension. And I'm like, okay, if you have a sergeant out front and he doesn't go in, doesn't even take in a team, as Chad was talking, where we used to do the diamond, at least get four of the guys and go in. You still never do anything. How did you pick this one guy and decide yours was the worst because you were on the scene first? And all the rest of you guys, you're forgiven. I, I'd like to offer two questions here, Jeff. One is, what is a diamond? Because many people listening may not know what a diamond is in training and do not know the significance of that in being able to restrain a shooter of this nature. The second question I want to ask everybody on the committee here, or this board, whatever, I would like to ask them a question. The only thing that's come out of the Parkland shooting is a determined attempt on the part of many progressive groups to 
disenfranchise citizens of their weapons. In what manner would any of the Parkland shooting have been changed by invoking gun restriction laws or restricting gun availability? And I'd like you to respond to both of those questions, Jeff. The Diamond, when uh, the Columbine incident first happened, the Los Angeles Police Department set up training throughout the country. Them and other departments were going around doing this. And the Diamond is nothing more than you would have one officer in the front, and his job was he would lead the team going forward, try to lead towards Mm -hmm. the direction of the gunfire. You're two officers on the side of the diamond, so you'd be off to the right and left shoulder of the individual. And back they, they have body armor, and they, they are prepared for this and know what they're doing. Correct. And they're going to be the guys who do room entries and those kind of things while we're moving through. And your back guys, your rear guard. And the diamond can be very fluid. If the shooting then turns around and it's coming from your left, the guy on the left just became the front of the diamond. The other two guys, it just keeps rotating. Uh, it's changed a number of different ways where it became... And the shape of it's not nearly as important as it was an idea of we're sending in a group of people fast enough that they can make an impact and do something. After you had the shooting in Sandy Hook, then the big push was, I want to send my officers in by themselves right now. I personally have no problem with that if you train your officers how to do one-man entries so that it's not just a complete suicide mission, which this sheriff even changed the language in their uh, order to, you may enter. You don't have to enter. You may enter. And he said it was because... Which means it's not a policy, it's a suggestion. Correct. Because he says it was a suicide mission. It's not a suicide mission if you train your people how to do it. Is it dangerous? Oh, absolutely. Well, the whole reason everything changed, too, from the diamond to the single officer entry is because they're finding out mass shooting after mass shooting, they're over with in a matter of minutes. And they're also finding that they are ending as soon as they have contact with law enforcement. Usually they kill themselves Mm -hmm. or law enforcement takes care of them because that's why they go after these soft targets. They don't want to confront. They're cowards. They don't want to confront anybody. But unfortunately, since we've gone to the one-man entry, that paradigm's gone. It's not unusual now for the bad guy to stand his ground. It's not unusual for the officers to be involved in shootings, such as at the uh, restaurant out in L.A., mm-hmm. where the officers, that when they went in, he still stood his ground and he had a shootout with them. That's at least three or four of those that have gone on now because, once again, we're geniuses. As soon as we change how we do something, we got to go out and tell everybody this is what we do because we need to be transparent. And I'm like, that's also called stupid. If you tell your enemy what you're going to do, they will change their way of doing things and wait for you. Change of gun laws, Jeff. You didn't respond. Change of gun laws. This is my personal opinion. If the gun laws had been such that we had, again, trained these campus monitors where you're now sitting here seeing this person who's coming onto the campus, his gun's still in a bag. If these campus monitors had been armed, could approach this individual and called for other people to come back him up and then not been afraid to call a code red because I'm quite sure if someone calls a code red and it's not a code red, you will be looking for employment. But if they had had a weapon where they could go up and take care of business, and that doesn't mean shoot somebody. That means I have the ability to do this. And as Chad said, if the guy that's dealing with an armed person versus unarmed sheep that he can just walk around and shoot at his own pace. Now he's dealing with somebody who can sit here and say, no, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to stand my ground. And that would have changed this dynamic completely. 
But that's not what the Parkland kids are advocating. They want the guns. They don't want more guns and teachers and everything. They want the guns removed. And my point, my point was that Nicholas Cruz was mentally disturbed. Everybody knew it. And the, the issue for our public to understand is that nothing in current law should have allowed Nicholas Cruz to ever be able to purchase and or have a semi-automatic weapon. Correct. And no change in any gun law in the United States will change the fact that Nicholas Cruz obtained his weapon illegally and without any form of, of legal conformity of rational gun policy. And yet the policy element that's come out of Parkland has been to restrain and inhibit honest citizens from having the ability to defend themselves, defend their schools, their churches, or anything else. But see, and there are groups... Parkland school students that are pro-gun advocates and they go with the NRA and do other things, but that's not covered because, well, that doesn't fit what I want to sell at MSNBC or CNN or whomever is going to put out the story because that just makes you look like a killer. And I'm like, the only way to stop a man with a gun is you better have other men with guns. But it, makes, but it only makes sense that if you're not allowed to carry a gun on school grounds, then nobody will get shot because you can't have a gun there. Rarely so that keeps the bad guys out. One of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's it a, makes total sense. You can't have a gun there. Nobody gets hurt, right? That's, that's so correct. It's, a, it's a perfect rationale. I can see how you can even argue against that. Well, and as, as some of the senators and stuff have said, well, no person would do this if we just everybody didn't have a gun. And I'm like, Really? That's amazing. They should be going down the the streets in London and being stabbed, which is now the new policy in London, machetes and knives. The problem is humans behave badly at times. Last time I checked, I think murder is still illegal in all 50 states. And we've had that discussion many times about the laws are on the books in most of the states. And I can't speak for Florida, but in Illinois you have... Laws that you can't be mentally deranged and you can't be using narcotics. You can't be doing a lot of these things. And mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to be uh, denied the, the ability to purchase a weapon. Is that going to stop them? Absolutely not. Most of our shootings, you're either convicted felons or just somebody mentally ill mm-hmm. that the parents knew that they were mentally ill and still allowed the, their child or whoever to still come in uh, possession of a firearm. The Nicholas uh, Cruz issue... He was, you know, he had a bad home life. His parents had died. He was placed in a foster care, and he was under treatment uh, through the different social services and everything else. Someone, he should have been red flagged, and everybody, you know. He had been. People around him knew he had a firearm, and why wasn't that firearm seized for him beforehand? So there's a failure, you know, across the board on that case when it comes to the, you know, whether to take a firearm away from him or not. But that's a common denominator in it. If you go back to Sandy Hook, that was a mother who armed a mentally challenged child, and he went in and killed a school full of children. Why did we ever allow him to have a firearm? It's beyond me. She thought it was therapy, And you'd I have guess. to ask the mother. Yeah, but we can't because she's dead too. Yeah. How, but, how did Cruz obtain his, his weapon? I he know? purchased it. He I purchased think. It. I See, I, I don't have a problem with the background checks with them with them extending background checks. I have. I, never, I know I the NRA have. and everybody throws huge fits about this, Jeff. I don't know what, what your opinions are. Anybody else at the table? I have zero issue with doing a more thorough background check on people before giving them their high powered rifle. 
I, I don't see, you know, and I'm a huge God advocate. I see no issue with that. I don't see that as trouncing on anybody's rights. What, what, what do you think about extended background checks or some of the background checks that are now being advocated? I'm, I'm for them, and, but the problem Jennifer, is we have a, a lot officer. of those. We have a lot of those policies in place already across the United States, and and, and once again, you got Illinois that has probably one of the stringent ones in in the country. And we're still allowing convicted felons to come in possession of firearms with no follow-up. You know, who's watching this? Washington, D.C. has one of the most stringent firearms possession laws on the books and have also per capita one of the highest murder rates. And and most of your cities that have their shootings, yeah, you know, the high crime uh, cities in the United States, and a lot of those shootings are being committed by convicted felons who are in possession of firearms. The same same small percentage. and. we're going to have to get back to making it serious. So you get caught with a firearm as a convicted felon, maybe the mandatory five-year mandatory sentences that go along with possession of firearms may put some slow this down a little bit, but we've kind of just threw that that window, you know, when you do have a convicted felon, you know, and we catch them with firearms or whatever, and, you know, and they're getting released that day, and, you know, we're not dealing with it. Dave, what do you think about extended... I don't have a problem with background checks and some of these other issues, but at the end of the day, they're mostly all just a lot of Johnny Feelgood uh, false uh, security blanket because if somebody is such a whack job, he's going to go into a school and start killing anybody. He's going to get a gun one way or the other, and the only way to stop him, as Jeff said earlier, is with a good guy with a gun. That, that That's the bottom line. By and large, like I said, the biggest rule we have is that murder is illegal, the end. And for the most part, even though politicians like to beat the drum and people, like I say, give them that warm, fuzzy feeling that, oh, we're all safe now, at the end of the day, most gun control is utterly useless. Mostless, most, most. I disagree with you on one point on that. I, 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 do, I don't believe, I think your, your gangbangers and your thugs and your murderers are going to get a gun anyway. They're going to get a gun no matter what. They're going to get Always. burglaries. Your, your, your mental illness people that just happen to have a gun sitting around the house or they can just run straight to Walmart and buy one and then they're going to go shoot somebody up. That's the only way they're going to get a gun. Most of your mentally ill aren't going to go commit burglaries by, you know, they don't know the black market on the streets to go buy firearms. I think um, that the background checks and leaving those access out will at least inhibit your mentally ill from having access to firearms. Right. By and large, though, I don't think you're going to have any significant, because uh, if, if you're going to set and plan to go commit mass murder, you're not going to let the uh, little issue you of not having a gun stop you. You're well, I think if you're sitting there playing video games all day long, killing people on your video games, and then your dad's got an AR up there, you're more likely to go grab that and, and go on the street or burglarize somebody's house trying to find a high-fired Let, rifle. Let's go to Brett for a moment. Absolutely agree. Uh, if a bad guy wants a gun, he's going to be able to get one. Uh, the outstanding numbers from burglaries, for gun thefts, so forth, I'm all for uh, background checks and gun availability. Uh, to honest citizens and and, uh, good people, but clearly if a guy wants a gun, he's going to be able to get it. So that's not any kind of an answer to the problem of more gun restrictions. How would you like to wrap this up for a minute, Jeff? I'll try. The problem is is that when Chad brings up the mental health part of it, use Mr. Cruz as the example, and Jerry was talking about he was in treatment. He decided to be out of the treatment, and the doctors decided, okay, and... We only have these discussions about gun control when we have predominantly white children shot in schools. When we have all these homicides committed in black America, Hispanic America, any minority community, but they're done more 
four or five at a time, one or two at a time, whatever, no one cares. You're suggesting black on black would not raise the ire of the public? I'm suggesting just based on facts, that would be the fact. Chad, do you have a comment on that? Well, I was going to kind of switch gears um, a little bit. The main thing that, that drives me nuts on these school shootings, and it was brought up in one article, article, and I said, well, finally, it's the media coverage. Yes. Stop making, Absolutely. if you would stop making celebrities out of these psychos that are shooting up offices, schools, anything, because that is their goal. And, and they want to outdo each other. You know, they said, well, they, they count. What's, what's the, the most, the highest kill rate for a mass shooting? I'm, and their goal is to beat that. And now they're a celebrity. So now they're dead and they think everybody's going to cry about it. And they're a celebrity. I think, stop. I, I, I think it should be, okay, if you want to s- even say their name and that's it, and just completely eliminate your coverage. If you want to talk about victims, but leave the suspect's name, leave everything out of it. Stop making them celebrities. And that is one of the nice things about Parkland, because you do see more people talking about the students. The problem with that was then, of course, the politicians and the people who are, they have their own agendas. They go and talk to these kids and say, I'm going to fly you here. I'm going to fly you there. I'm going to have you do this. And this is both sides. The NRA on the right-hand side and the uh, activists for gun control on the left-hand side of doing this. But at least in this case, most people, if you walked up and asked them who Cruz was, they don't know. They don't know. But if you bring up the two names from Columbine, which I won't, people will look at you and go, yeah, I remember them. But I'll bet you your next psycho sitting in the basement right now knows their names. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And you're right. It should not get covered. The way it does, it should be a news story, and then we're done with it. Move on. And and even covering uh, the, the victims' lives, and I get it. Give them tribute, you know, uh, horrible things. But I, I think your future psychos feed off that pain. Also, that's what they want. Yep. So that that's the kind of a pain, emotional pain and suffering they want to inflict on these kids. That they they want to inflict on their coworkers. Just stay out of it. I mean, there's other things to talk about on the news. I mean, we. I don't know what the common denominator is. I mean, since Columbine has started, it's it's just nonstop out of control. So so obviously there's some factor that keeps doing this that that that's made all these mass shootings start happening. Hundred percent agree with you. You can put on there that uh, you know the shooting was done. It was a male, 15, 18, 35 years old. The end. Yeah. And you're right. You're you're if you're going to go out and commit mass murder, you're sitting in your basement. Your life obviously sucks. You obviously hate the world. You don't have God in your life. Everything has gone to crap. And you know, well, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to do whatever. But hey, if I can take 30, 40, 50 people with me, I'm going to forever be infamous. And that's, you know, you're right. We need to keep their names out of the media. And I don't really see a problem. You report this, but uh, you don't report the name. You don't, you don't go interview his neighbor so they can tell you how quiet he was and he's a nice guy and he waved at me every Saturday but afternoon. But that's just how the media works. They want to be able to go and know who this guy is so they can torture his neighbors and torture his aunts and his mom and his grandparents and try to get more interviews. And we're digging deeper and we're going to find out. That's what the media does. They love that. They've got coverage. They're digging for stories every single day trying to It's easy. We got this. We got coverage for days and... We can put everything else on the back. You you all might be forgetting what the purpose of journalism is. I'm not suggesting that they're performing their duties very responsibly in the last 20 years, but I am suggesting that you're not going to stop journalists from investigating any type of event. As my old man used to tell me, dog bites man, no story. Man bites dog, big story. And the fact is that each one of these shootings is a case of man-biting dog. 
and that makes journalism sell papers. And they're already having enough trouble selling papers in the age of the computer and tech. Well, what's the old saying? If it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks, that's, Rock. Yeah, no, and that's true. If it bleeds, it leads. It, that's, all of this is is about human nature, which we are going to have another podcast on. So we can. Uh, Well, we just touched the uh, surface of the Parkland incident because there's many varied areas we could go into on this. But I think suffice it to say that as law enforcement officers, the thing that we see that probably disturbs, well, at least speaking for myself, disturbs me the most is that I'm seeing throughout the country we're becoming more political, we don't show leadership, and we're no longer making decisions where we're... And as I see this happening throughout the country, I see it going farther and farther down the ranks where I'm seeing officers now become more tentative and they're not assertive. People use the word aggressive. There's nothing wrong with the word aggressive, but if we need assertive officers. When you're asking somebody to go from helping a little kid find his bicycle to running into a school because there's shots being fired, it takes a unique individual to be able to flip that switch and be able to do that, but he has to know, you got my back. The department's not going to bail out on me. And when you got a chief or a sheriff, like in this case, where the only person he's praising is himself, yeah, you're probably not going to risk a lot. All right, Jeff, I'd like to thank you for all your research and and your insight to this topic and thank the panel for for the discussion off this. Uh, Now we're going to move on to our next topic.